Hello and welcome back to Lost in the Long Boxes. I'm Ryan. And I'm Joshua. I'm Steve. And on this episode, we are going to be tackling the wide spectrum of characters of all of the uh, major and minor publishers that uh, suffer from mental illness and stuff and how those mental illnesses can define, enhance, and, uh, and shape some of these characters. Uh, so to take the lead on this, to start us off, uh, hey, Steve, you, uh, you said that you did some research on the Punisher and uh, Speedy. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, the Punisher has been a longtime favorite character of mine, but uh, for the second one for Speedy, I have very little um, experience with the Green Lantern, the Green Arrow, or uh, or Speedy. So this was my first uh, introduction, really, to to reading these characters in comic book form. First foray, um, really. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. Um, so yeah, the first the first one I have uh, looking at mental illness is Frank Castle. Um, Who better? <laughs> yeah, crazy son of yeah. a bitch, Frank Castle. Yeah, it's quite a guy. <laughs> Absolutely, and the the fun thing about this is that there are so many like psychological profiles of this character online. Like genuine psychologists have. Um, have actually done profiles on uh, the character of Frank Castle. So um, I, I love how seriously, uh, you know, his issues and the issues of um, trauma, PTSD have really been uh, looked at. So, so I want to dive right in here. Um, so the character was conceived by, uh, by Jerry Conway there. Uh, and based on The Executioner, um, it was a novel about one man's war on the mafia um, issued in uh, uh, done in 1969 by uh, Mac Bolan. So, so Frank Castle saw his two kids and wife gunned down by the mafia. Um, it was, they were having just a quiet picnic in the park and everything. And, uh, um, the mafia did a hit right in front of them and Frank and his, uh, his wife and kids were all witnesses to that crime. So they yelled, there's going to be no witnesses here. And they, they basically gunned down, um, uh, Frank's wife and kids. He was, uh, really badly injured, left for dead, but he survived the whole incident, obviously. And, um, so the thing that kind of made his character, the Punisher unique in the time that he was introduced in 1974 is that, uh, the Punisher had a willingness to kill as a quote unquote hero, um, that most of the other heroes did not have. He um, he was willing to basically take that additional step of killing these uh, uh, killing these uh, 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 these villains, you know, the bad guys, uh, uh, lawbreakers, killing them just uh, uh, to eliminate them. Just did not want to go through any of the process of arrest, letting them have the possibility of getting away. And this was kind of unique for. Uh, uh, for heroes at the time he was introduced as a villain but he became so popular very quick in spider-man uh, right that yes yep amazing spider-man uh i believe it was uh number 129 yeah i first heard about him in the uh or first you know really knew what the punisher was after watching the uh the was it the amazing spider-man or just the spider-man was it just called spider-man the cartoon on fox oh yeah i yeah, I don't remember. Uh, it's been so long on that one. Spider-Man. Nope. Well, they, they yeah. had uh, they had they had the Punisher on there, you know, and of course uh, the theme song was great. Um, and of course, you know, none of the guns he used fired bullets because it was Fox, so they were all like ray beams or whatever. But that was the first time I ever saw the Punisher or knew what the heck he was was when he was hunting down Spider-Man on that show. Anyway, he was uh, he was basically. They uh, an, another villain sicked him on Spider-Man and stuff, right, basically right. for killing. Uh, I believe it was Norman Osborn. Uh, yeah, 
I so, forget how the cartoon handled it, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, and he Frank Castle has become kind of the uh, the poster child of PTSD and trauma in uh, in a in a comic book character. Um, so he is a vet himself, uh, and uh, although most of the trauma came from the killing of his family, uh, and you know he has all those uh, all those normal symptoms. Uh, you know he displays flashbacks. Um, guilt over uh, over the survivor's guilt um you know surviving when all of his family died he's a he's a police officer uh so you know he's he is dealing you know he serves and protects all these people every day and he could not protect his own family right um he deals with the anger he withdraws from others um, they even have, uh, symptoms of self-injury where he doesn't necessarily like, you know, he's not cutting himself. He's not doing anything like that, but he is throwing himself into potentially inescapable situations. Increasingly violent scenarios. Yeah. Right? And he has no regard for his life, um, for his own life. He is completely prepared to die at any point. Um, but wants to inflict punishment and uh, and pain upon what he sees as uh, as the symptoms of uh, basically how the government and how the police have failed. Uh, right. So, so. And, and he's not he's not like initially depicted as being necessarily like a crazy right winger kind of guy either. Right. I know we talked about this a bit in our Captain America episode, but yeah, that kind of I think came about after the TV series. Um, okay, that's where that came from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and and so this you know it, it's just great. They they Frank Castle is such a a, a good depiction of. Uh, um, you know, of a person who feels like he's been failed by society. Um, and some people have tried to say, you know, this guy's a psychopath. He, he shows psychopathic uh, uh, tendencies. But the thing is, is in several comics, he can empathize with some of the other heroes. In the, in the, um, in the series on, uh, on, on Netflix, uh, he empathizes with... Um, uh, with daredevil and everything and psychopaths really are not capable of that in uh uh you know how they are uh classified and everything so yeah for sure i was gonna say because he empathizes with uh with karen page and that yeah. with a lot of different people yeah Yep, and and so one of the comics i looked at for for this guy's um Mental illness is, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of it, the double edge, alpha and omega. No. So this came out in 1995. Um, again, it was one of those beautiful foil covers and stuff that I am just a sucker for. Uh, we even all were today, I see. One, oh, yep, yeah. Yep, exactly. Steve, I, Steve still is, though, is the thing. I am. I will. <laughs> I'll be going through back issue bins and everything, and as soon as I see the chromium cover pop out, and I'm like, oh, wait, wait, let's take a look at this one. You know, I'm such a, a mid '90s gem. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, when they recently released that that ten copy run of Obnoxio the of the Obnoxio the Clown, you know, with foil <laughs> cover, Steve was right there, ready. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I am going to do a review of Obnoxio there and stuff. I think it's going to be my <laughs> second review on uh, uh, back, of the, back of the long box. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, uh, so basically... I wait with bated breath. <laughs> <laughs> so the Punisher gets captured by S.H.I.E.L.D. in, uh, in Double Edge. And, uh, and he is imprisoned... Uh, they're giving him like the Hannibal Lecter treatment and stuff where oh, God, he, the leather mask. And, yeah. yeah, he well, like he is he is completely head to toe bound uh, and he's wheeled into his own uh, uh, individual cell that can hold supervillains and everything. And he is psychoanalyzed and stuff by Doc Samson from uh, from the Hulk uh, episodes. There, uh, The Hulk. Issues. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and so he's basically brainwashed uh, during the episode into thinking Nick Fury had killed his family, and he's taken back through uh, through drugs by Doc Sampson to that point. And of course, I think it's Hydra infiltrates and tries to make him think that Nick Fury uh, uh, has set up his family. And uh, throughout this whole series, he basically hunts down Nick Fury and uh, uh, to uh, to kill him. And that, and that is that is at the end. Uh, he manages to shoot Nick Fury in the back and uh, and kills him at the end of the episode. Um, what's kind of interesting, it takes you through the whole thing of someone during a psychotic break. Um, he is divorced from reality, uh, in his drugged up state. He is like killing jaywalkers. He is, uh, he is, uh, just killing people who are speeding. You know, it, it, it takes you through that. Oh my God. Yeah. Frank is in a full on, uh, uh, psychic break, uh, psychic break, um, psychotic psychic break. break here. Um, and it he's isn't his psychic powers. <laughs> That's right. He's turned into uh, Professor X here. That's right. Um, so Frank is pretty much doing what we all want to do: kill jaywalkers. Yeah. It... Road rage. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just need a psychotic break in order to line. get there. Okay. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he he pretty much he isn't brought back until to to. Um, full sanity until uh, Ghost Rider uh, does his penitent stare there at oh, him yeah. to basically show him that he's hurt an innocent person in Nick uh, Nick Fury, and uh, and it kind of brings him back to uh, to his uh, uh, regular self, uh, regular right. damaged self. Uh, but that kind of begs the question: Can Ghost Rider cure? Uh, mental illness in a way if uh, if the person has hurt people uh, so uh, hmm. kind of a neat uh, uh, neat idea there that is so, an interesting idea yeah, yeah. a uh, Freud so... or Jung for our ages <laughs> that's right and so that's that's pretty much uh, uh, what I've got for uh, for for Frank Castle he he really uh, one of my favorites and um there's so much on him. It's 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 very easy. Uh, uh, you know, so much material to talk about for this guy. So Steve, um, the what? Se- yeah, yeah. Sorry, what is his mental illness? Yeah, what does he have? So I would say the mental illness uh, uh, that he most uh, displays there is post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, it's something that affects twenty percent of um, of vets. Uh, you know, war veterans and everything. And 90% of Josh's past roommates. <laughs> ah, I, would say, I would say 100% of everyone who's ever had to deal with me has some form of PTSD. Just you wait, <laughs> listening audience. <laughs> I'm already starting to need counseling here. So now we're only on the fifth episode now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, did you get did you get the number for uh, Ghost Rider? I hear he's available for counseling. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he'll yep he'll get you with that stare every time. Yeah, yep. let Ghost Rider mean mug me, and then I'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, who's next up, Steve? Next up would be um, so this is going to be um. His name is Ray Harper, but he's known as Speedy, and he is the sidekick to to Oliver Queen, the Green Arrow. Mm. So in Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number 85 and 86, this is one of those um, landmark issues where uh, it, Dennis O'Neill and Neil Adams uh did a uh, story called Snowbirds Don't Fly. And, um, I mean, it even says on the cover, DC attacks youth's greatest problem, drugs. Oh, my God. And That's an iconic um, issue. Like, that cover is so iconic. Yeah. Yeah. It it set the bar, and Marvel had to meet it. 
Yeah. Yeah, it had the drug paraphernalia right on the uh, right on the cover, which was a big no-no for the uh, for the comic Comics code. code of, yeah, yeah, they um, yeah, and they they actually got rejected for the very first cover, um, and they were thinking of uh, of going it alone and basically doing a non-coded uh, issue to make sure that this happened, and kind of behind the scenes. Uh, there was there was some worry and some re- very real possibility that um, Green Arrow, Green Lantern there was going to be canceled. And Neil Adams was given almost complete creative authority. He had a journalism background and and Neil Adams actually grew up uh, in a neighborhood that had uh, drug issues plaguing the whole, uh, um, you know, his whole neighborhood. In fact, he was the chairman of the, uh, his local drug rehabilitation center. So he had a background and had literally, um, seen these drug issues and withdrawal and people shooting up right out, right in his backyard. Oh, wow. Um, he lived in a neighborhood with, uh, with all of these, um, you know, with all of these addicts there and stuff. So he really had nothing to lose with, uh, with this, uh, with this issue. And so he basically takes, um, Oliver Queen and Hal Jordan and drops, uh, drops them in, uh, uh, into the story with, uh, muggers basically hit green arrow and he's shot in the shoulder with a crossbow bolt but he uh being the expert archer he is he immediately even as he's being shot recognizes the shaft of the bolt as one of his own um you know something that was from one of his own arrows so this helps him kind of track down where who might have gotten a hold of his arrows and um it starts it starts setting the stage for this by he is telling um, uh, the characters basically telling the Green Lantern, you know, I haven't really seen my my sidekick Speedy much. I, I haven't paid a lot of attention to him, and and I, I haven't seen him in a month or two. I'm I'm wondering how he's doing, and so through a series of. Uh, um, uh, drug busts and 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 everything and raiding some drug dens and everything they find speedy and he is in with a bunch of um uh, a bunch of drug addicts and i love this scene because before they bust on into this so they are taking on some of these real issues of um and kind of giving you a behind the scenes look uh, at at drug addiction um, they have an Asian American and an African American uh, um, character in uh, in this as unnamed thugs here, and they're saying, "Look, I face racism every single day, and uh, and it really drags you down. And you know, drugs are kind of my escape. So in this, this is this is confronting racism." uh in the in the mid 70s here and stuff just it's again kind of before uh um it's really progressive for uh, for for comic books to be taking these sensitive issues and everything um but they uh you know they're talking about how tough it is and stuff to uh, uh to be a racial minority and you know of course this is all broken up uh, here comes Green Lantern and Green Arrow. They uh, uh, and so they find Speedy in this drug den, and they automatically assume he must be infiltrating here, uh, and uh, and he's actually going in and and busting this. Uh, you know, going to set this up so that they can they can bust this drug den and and find uh, find the dealers. But what happens is. Uh, Oliver Queen comes home to find Speedy actually in the process of shooting heroin. Um, and it, again, it ends, it ends 85 
where uh, where he is busting in, seeing him doing that, and saying, you know, you're you're nothing but a no good junkie. And McQueen, McQueen, uh, Oliver Queen is a real dick about this whole thing. Um, and I I want to I want to say he really has this 1950s attitude of um, of you're uh, you know you're yelling at Speedy. Uh, you're a no good junkie. Uh, I I shouldn't have wasted my time with you. Uh, you're no better than all the other villains uh, or all the other uh, people we've um, uh, we've gone after and that oh, we wow. busted. He actually, and the opening scene of issue eighty six. He slaps Speedy across the face like this open hand cuff what? that sends him flying across the room. Oh uh, you know, I shit you not. I mean, so that's why I'm saying I really think the old um, Oliver Queen is really kind of a dick in these uh, in these comics. Yeah, there's some real life villainy yeah. when it comes to yeah. Oliver Queen. You know, he's this rich elitist yep. blonde blue-eyed white man who uh has entitled yeah entitled and like yeah he has no empathy or compassion so in this arc it seems that he plays yep. the villain role kind of like the father role um to where we're, we're yep. able to be like well fuck you like actually let's let's look yeah. at what speed he's going through here um, but yeah, he's always been that kind of mirror of for sure. He's like an analog basically for everyone's like parents that don't get, you know, the things that, uh, that they might be going through like drug addiction. Yeah. It's some sort of alternative sexual identity, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. It, and it, like he even says, you know, you're better, you're, uh, you're no better than the rest of the sniveling punks. Uh, uh, and and he, when Speedy just, you know, comes back and says, you are never here. I'm living in your shadow. Um, you know, I'm trying to keep up with you and you're just ignoring me. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't feel like I'm part of the, the, you know, this team. He just basically, Queen just says, uh, says I don't want to hear your sob story. Uh, you know, you're basically, you're dead to me. And, wow. and this, uh, uh, like after this speedy just goes and seeks out, um, one of, uh, one of Oliver Queen's friends there and, uh, and basically is shown going through the entire detox process where he is on the floor shaking you know, he is, uh, you know, it's implying, you know, vomiting the, uh, the cold sweats. Um, it, it is, it, it doesn't pull its punch on showing somebody coming down from this, uh, this awful, uh, um, withdrawal there from, uh, from heroin. And in the end of the issue, he comes back and, Everybody is all happy to see him, you know, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, they're like, oh, you know, Speedy, you're back and everything. And he goes over and punches Green Arrow in the face and says, 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 this is no thanks to you. You showed you showed me no empathy. I'm I hope my punch will show you uh, an ounce of the pain. I just uh, uh uh, you know, I just faced on my own, and he said uh, that that basically you can do this hero job without me. Um, um, uh, he left, and uh, I don't know. I haven't read any of the any of the follow up so I don't know if he ended up. That was the end of his run for a while. Uh, with well, he becomes uh, he becomes a Red Arrow and then Arsenal. Okay, um, recently he's been Arsenal for a while. I think yeah. Yeah, well, that's kind of yeah. interesting and stuff. Yeah, he, uh, I, I, I thought it was such a good ending where he punches, uh, punches yeah. him in the face and basically says, "Yeah, you did nothing to help me." Well, uh, I, I know that in, in current continuity, he works alone. That could be a. I'm not super up on a Green Arrow. I'll have to look into that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that didn't contribute. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, 
man, it was a really great look, especially for the seventies for, uh, for heroin addiction. Uh, uh, it was a good, what it, it was a classic cover and that's what I, I bought this, uh, back issue, uh, cause I remember, um, all the hype around this and uh back a couple years ago uh when it was kind of being rediscovered and uh and i'm glad i did it was such uh it was such a good uh good comic and and had a great message uh i think well before it's time nice well yeah that's a powerful pull from the long box man yeah yeah that that's that's definitely that's definitely one that's definitely one everybody should give a read. I, I believe I've read it two years ago. I do remember the uh, the story. I do remember the punch and everything. Yep. I I don't think that when I read it, I totally was old enough to wrap my head around the uh, the relevance of it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, know, the, ahead of its time. Absolutely, the opening of uh, of eighty six where he slaps him and and he pulls that whole. Uh, you know that they did in uh, in the Watchmen. Oh, you know you're you're basically saying, yeah. Why don't you hit me another time? You're really enjoying this, aren't you? Uh, you know, basically implying right. Green Arrow was enjoying ab- enjoyed abusing people, right? So, yep. And wow. it it just it fit in and kind of touches on some of possible some issues for Green Arrow himself and everything. So great issue. I'm so glad I, I I read this one. Um, it's uh, it's one I'll remember for a while. Well, I suppose uh, you know, moving things along, uh, the two that I picked, the two that I picked were Moon Knight and uh, Legion. And the funny thing about that is that I'm once again not the Marvel guy, but the two that I that first came to mind when I was thinking about uh, classic mental. Uh, depictions of mental illness in comic books was was those two characters. Admittedly, in the case of the latter, Legion, that started with my enjoying the FX TV series. Yeah. Um, yeah, that first season's a great show. Yeah, it really is. It really is. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and start with Moon Knight. And Moon Knight was created by writer Doug Munch. I cannot pronounce his last name. If you are him or related to him or know him and you're <laughs> offended by the horrible mispronunciation, uh, add your name to the list because I am just terrible at pronouncing names. <laughs> and uh, and artist uh, Don Perlin. Uh, the character first appeared in Werewolf by Night number 32 in August 1975. And for those of you that don't know who Moon Knight is, really, I'll just give you the broad strokes of his origin. Uh, so Mark Spector was a uh, he's a former uh, CIA agent and professional boxer who goes on to become a mercenary and takes a job for a fellow named uh, Raoul Bushman. And that job takes him to Egypt, where they have a disagreement about at, at some point as to how uh, how they should deal with these civilians that they have with them, and Bushman wants to murder them. Uh, there's an exchange. Mark Spector falls into a pit and finds himself at the feet of this ancient statue of the uh, god Khonshu, who is a who's an Egyptian god of the moon as well as uh, as well as as well as punishment. I do believe. If if I'm off on that, please correct us in the comments. Um, so Mark Spector immediately manifests this uh, this psychosis where. As a result of uh, as a result of Conchu, or possibly this could have already been a uh, a thing that he was suffering from even before Conchu, which is kind of left ambiguous by most writers. Uh, Warren Ellis in one of his recent uh, Moon Knight runs, and I say recent as in the last like twelve years, tried to kind of move away from the mental illness stuff and just say that all of it is just Conchu in his mind. I don't like that. Um, I like the idea that he's probably already had a propensity towards disassociative identity disorder, and this experience really brought it full tilt and manifest. Um, I like when, uh, with Moon Knight, when writers make the Khonshu thing kind of ambivalent, whether or not Khonshu even exists, or whether it's purely uh, basically another persona in Mark Spector's head. But he has he has five, I'll, I'll say five different personalities 
Um, Jake Lockley, who is a cabbie in, uh, in New York, and he tends to use the Jake Lockley persona to get to get dirt and uh, information, you know, on small street level crime. Uh, Mark Spector, of course, is kind of the core persona, or at least we're led to believe. Uh, Stephen Grant is a billionaire playboy, one of the richest people in the Marvel Universe, who is just famous for rubbing shoulders with, you know, Tony Stark, all these guys. This is one of Mark Spector's personalities. No. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Knight, who is kind of a cross between Stephen Grant and Moon Knight, where he wears a solid white business suit, uh, very stylish and stuff, with a kind of like makeshift white mask with a moon drawn on the forehead. And then finally, Moon Knight, who is just your uh, sort of Batman analog, only in lieu of the uh, pointy ears, he has a full covering white mask and a hood otherwise he's very similar to the uh you know the batman iterations and stuff as he was from what i understand kind of marvel's answer to uh to batman but i love moon knight because at least i'm really gonna hone in on the jeff lemire uh moon knight run uh starting with volume one which was uh which was titled lunatic so if anyone wants to you know read about this or kind of kind of dig into this character I consider that a good place to start. Um, and in Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight, we see uh, Mark Spector waking up in a in a mental hospital and everything, where he's you know being told once again, no, you you are completely, you know, you you have dissociative identity disorder. Uh, Mister Knight, Moon Knight, Stephen Grant, Jake, all these people don't exist. They're all just in your mind. You've always been Mark Spector, and you've been here since you were twelve years old. So all of your all of your memories of being a mercenary and a cabbie and a playboy and a vigilante, they're all in your head. So we see over the course of the story that he begins to, you know, he's kind of like fighting. He's kind of fighting, accepting this as on one hand, it would make a whole lot more sense than accepting all the crazy memories that he has of, you know, being a crime fighter and all these things. But on the other, he starts to uh, manifest his uh, his historical uh, he has these delusions where he believes that he sees Khonshu come to him in his mind and sort of offer like vague advice and things like that. He starts seeing Khonshu and Khonshu starts telling him, no, you are crazy, but it's your insanity that will get you out of here. You have to trust your insanity and you have to embrace it. And, uh, you know, without, without giving, without giving anyone the full, the full story of that Jeff Lemire run, that's kind of the setup for the story. And, and I like how tasteful it is, is that it's really just saying, you know, yeah, Mark Spector is crazy, quote unquote. He is mentally ill, but that is part of his, def- that's one of his defining qualities. And that's part of his power, you know, his, his being willing to uh, run around at night in a solid white suit. You know, like one of his uh, taglines is, uh, I'm the one you see coming, you know, that might sound stupid, but. That's also an incredibly intimidating uh, persona to have. That's pretty badass. Uh, that I didn't know that. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm the one you see coming. I I embrace my disassociative identity disorder. You know, I know I'm insane. That, that's my power. You know, <laughs> and it doesn't really matter if Conchu is real or not. Conchu probably isn't real. It's just probably another manifestation of his psychosis. You know, but he he's learned to kind of use it. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I also, I do suggest reading the Warren Ellis run of Moon Knight. Just ignore all of the hogwash that he's not. He doesn't have any mental illness. It's actually an alien entity inside his brain. It's stupid. I wouldn't <laughs> read that part. <laughs> Warren Ellis was having a hard time there for a little while. But yeah, I definitely suggest giving the the uh, the Warren Ellis Moon Knight run a read. But if you really want to get a glimpse into his uh into his psychosis and into his characterization and you want to get into something a bit more recent jeff lemire's uh lunatic uh, is volume one of that of that arc and it's just it's just great i once again the most iconic thing about moon knight and i want to stress again is what is more badass than a guy that walks you know walks around in full white doesn't try to sneak up on you just comes straight at you and says i'm the one you see coming yeah you know that is badass. <laughs> and he's got his own series coming. Yeah, yeah, on Disney Plus, right? Which is interesting. Like, yeah, how is, how is Disney doing, yeah. Plus going to do, you know, 
a moon knight that traditionally in the comic books ha- is just like filled to the brim with ultra violence. Um, so I think yeah. they'll probably scale back on the ultra violence, but really focus on what I would imagine. What I'm guessing is Jeff Lemire's run where they're really focusing on. His, I would say so too. Yeah. And, yeah. There's rumors that there, yeah. you know, there are, there's going to be the white suit and, and all of that. So it seems like it's going to be Jeff Lemire's more contemporary run. Yeah. They're not going to do the like Cape and cowl thing. They're going to go for the more recent Mr. Knight persona with the suit and all that, which I think looks way cooler. Anyway, yep. the original, the original moon Knight costume was just a lazy idea they had because they wanted to compete with Batman. That's all it was. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the suit, the suit and all that is just like that. That to me is way more interesting because it's kind of like an amalgamation of like several of his different personalities in a way, you know? Yeah. Including the Moon Knight personality that he originally, you know. But yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Disney Plus handles, uh, you know, the the subject of, uh, of of mental illness and everything, how much they go into it, you know? Yeah, I am. I am really interested as well to see how they how they do Moon Knight on Disney Plus. I mean, I can see where they can totally do it. It's just I feel like it's maybe a premise that would have done better during the Netflix Marvel era with those characters. That would have been so much better, I think. Uh, You know, and they even had I think they had like a short list of people that Netflix wanted to approach for the role, too. But unfortunately, it's too late for that now. Yeah, so. Next up, the other one I did, the other character I picked was Legion. And once again, my experience with Legion comes from watching the effects show. But after watching the effects show, I did later, uh, I read the Cy Spurrier uh, X-Men Legacy issues 1 through 24 Legion run. And if you haven't read that, you've done yourself a serious disservice where the uh, the entire storyline delves really into what is going on inside of Legion's brain. You know, because all of his powers have a personality attached to them. That's that's part of Legion's whole thing is he has like every power you could imagine, but they're all controlled by a different personality. Um, and so Legion was created originally by writer Chris Claremont and art- artist Bill Sienkiewicz. I'm sorry, Bill. Uh, he made his first debut in New Mutants number 25 in March of 1985. And I will I, I will defer to uh, to Steve to give like the the definitive origin of uh, of Legion real quick is I'm I, I'm not really that knowledgeable on his like early early iterations I'm more familiar with the Cyspurrier so if you want to go ahead and give us the uh, the broad strokes of, of Legion Steve actually I my first uh, my first introduction to Legion was the Age of Apocalypse in fact I started um, I started basically in knowing about Legion reading the kind of um the backstory that came during the age of apocalypse and everything that uh that oh, actually okay. was my first first introduction to the character so it, it i don't i i really don't know uh a lot of his most uh earliest uh stuff so that was well before well for simplicity's sake you know he's uh he's charles xavier's illegitimate son and he has multiple personality disorder. Uh, it's probably not necessary for us to get too too into his origin because I don't I don't think there's too much more to his origin origin. I just know that his uh, his like initial story arcs and stuff were a bit hectic until finally the Age of Apocalypse. But to get back to the Cy Spurrier legacy run, um, or well Legion X Men legacy issues one through twenty four. Well, you, you start out, you start out the storyline where you're inside of what looks like a prison, uh, this giant expansive prison. There's all these different sort of bizarre beings, um, you know, kind of like arguing amongst themselves and stuff. And at one point, one of them says, oh, no, he's coming with the gloves. Here he comes with the gloves. And you see this uh, some figure wearing this crazy like bodysuit or whatever with these huge gloves and he grabs one of the prisoners and shoves the fingers of the gloves that have these needles shoves the needles into the prisoner's brain and then uh, you you quickly realize that this is this is legion inside his own brain he has built a prison for all of his personalities where he thinks that he can like kind of cr- cruelly torture them into doing what he wants 
of course, over the course of the story, the, the prison begins to become run by the inmates as Legion, to, to summarize, as Legion has to realize that, uh, you know, the only way for him to, uh, to deal with his mental illness is not to imprison it. It's not to oppress it. It's to live, it's to live with it, you know? In fact, yeah, in fact, at one point, one of the prisoners is an analogy for Charles Xavier, and he asks Legion a riddle, and the riddle is, uh, so how do you, how do you defeat a, uh, an illness of the mind? And the Charles Xavier analog says, uh, you don't, you idiot, you learn to live with it. Yeah, and that's, that's kind awesome. of, that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of the overarching story there with the uh, X-Men legacy is just uh, it's just Legion learning to just stop trying to control his powers so much as just you know learn to live because they aren't even just powers they're actual personas inside his head you know that's pretty great uh, it kind of really fleshes out his uh, his character and it m- makes such a um, a better villain and everything it's kind of harkens back um, eventually they do the onslaught where Xavier's kind of subconscious takes over and turns him into the secret villain that you find out. And, and really it, you, you wonder, you know, no wonder Legion and Xavier in some manners are cut from the same cloth. So that's, that's pretty, uh, that's a pretty great turn. Yeah. The other interesting thing about the X-Men legacy run is I think it's one of the few times when you see Legion is portrayed as a, uh, he's trying to be a hero. That's why he built the prison in his yeah. mind was to better control his powers to become a hero. Yeah. Cause he was trying to kill Magneto uh, before the age right. of apocalypse and, or, and uh, killed Xavier by accident. Yeah, they do actually point out too that, uh, you know, oftentimes in X-Men Legacy, he'll start doing something erratic or whatever, or something like evil and villainous. And then you'll find out that David's actually been imprisoned by the prisoners. They've taken over. He has no control over his body at that point, <laughs> which makes you wonder, you know, how often it is that it really isn't Legion's fault, you know? Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and read some of those old issues about Legion and stuff. I'll, I've got to read more about them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Moon Knight and Legion, as far as this associative identity disorder, multiple personality disorder, uh, what have you, I think those those two characters are great, great, great depictions of that. Two awesome choices. So, uh, yeah, Josh, you want to... Uh... Here I am. Yeah, you know, Uh-oh. what I love about, you know, when, Ryan, you were like, let's do an episode of Mental Illness. It was like, okay, all right, what are some ideas? And... Um, you guys had thrown out a couple of things and I knew that I wanted to jump on daredevil. And I think it was you, Ryan said, Hey, do you want to take a crack at the century? And I had never really, he'd always just been an obscure character um, for me. And I didn't really understand his power base. I didn't really read anything with him. I understood he was in, you know, like dark Avengers and things like that. Um, But again, this is one of these wonderful things about this podcast. It's like I get to go and research and then like go to my local comic book shop and like pull issues. Um, So I was able to do that. And it's just like, it's a wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. So I went kind of, I went daredevil, you know, street level hero. Um, And then I went big with Sentry, which is like omnipotent power. Um, so ironically, Steve was the Steve was the only one that did DC this episode. Do you notice that? Yeah, yep. yep. <laughs> I, I went out of my comfort zone, went DC, and you know I'm doing that a lot these days. Sorry, Josh, to yeah, cut you nice. off. I just realized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Josh. No, it's good stuff, man. It's good. I mean, I, I love the the opportunity, and like we have a bunch of future episodes where you know we're gonna get into. Uh, to a lot of stuff I've never read before. So, um, you know, I get right. to geek out on a lot of things that I haven't read. Um, and also go back and dip into the, in the long boxes literally and pull stuff. Um, like, you know, I got to pull, Definitely. you know, Frank Miller's run of daredevil, uh, born again. Um, which is, you know, pretty powerful stuff, man. And, you know, written by Frank Miller, which as you can imagine is, pretty light fare um because right. you know it's frank miller <laughs> oh, oh, oh uh, as he always yeah. is you know 
<laughs> yeah, very light, you know, very Mike Miller's known, you know, known for his like, you know, very lighthearted sort of laissez faire story arc. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, if Coffee anyone's not familiar with Frank Miller, way. like who are you? And you know, <laughs> get it together. Uh he's written some amazing things like uh Ronin, you know, the you know, Dark Knight Run, Batman Year One. Sin City 300, some really powerful stuff. Um, so yeah. in Daredevil Born Again, like Sin City 300, what? Yeah, what is um, Sin City 300? Like a sequel to Sin City here? No, Sin no, City no, and 300. 300. 300. Oh, 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 I thought you were saying there was Sin City 300. I had never heard Sin City 2099. <laughs> oh my god, here it go. Oh, no, now that you've said it, they're gonna do it. <laughs> nice. Nice. So it's penned by Frank Miller and um, I'm sorry, written by Frank Miller and penned by uh, David Mazzuccelli, uh, which he brings a certain level of uh, realism uh, to comics that wasn't really around uh, in the late 80s, um, which totally fit Frank Miller's like style of writing right. um, and his kind of darkness. So I pulled issue 227, uh, the first issue of... Um, of born again. And okay. The, the reason I picked daredevil is because he suffers from in this, in this uh, run, particularly uh, debilitating depression um, to where he just, he's like catatonic. He can't even move. And I don't know about any of the listeners, but I've never personally experienced any kind of debilitating depression in my life no no <laughs> never no never no either. never no can you uh can you hear the sarcasm in my voice because uh <laughs> i can't you're, you're being serious right now right <laughs> oh yeah i don't get totally it totally serious steve, 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 right what is he saying? yeah steve what is he saying i don't get it yeah i'm, I'm yeah, not yeah. i'm not getting it <laughs> no 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 anyway so yeah th this is why like kind womp, of daredevil womp. really strikes home and if you watch the show too like there's a whole arc in it where he just like you know, uh, he doubts himself. He loses hope. And in this run of uh, Daredevil, um, Karen Page, you know, uh, goes to Hollywood, you know, to be a be an actress, only to find herself getting into porn and uh, heroin addiction, as one does when they go to Hollywood. Um, and uh, unfortunately, he had cheated on Karen. That's why she left. Right. He had cheated on Karen. And she's like, I'm going to Hollywood. And she gets into porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heroin. Right, right, right. And uh, and of course, you know, she comes back and she she sells Matt Murdock's secret identity for a shot of heroin. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. To none other than Kingpin. And of course, well, Kingpin you know, being the sociopath that he is. Yeah, as you do. Like, if I was going to sell you guys out, I'd find the local Kingpin in your neighborhoods. So watch it boys. and be like one hit of heroin, one, <laughs> one per name. <laughs> give you cosmic powers. So. That's right. That shit better look, be look good. Look out for your. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you're gonna walk through the door, all right. You're gonna be dancing with death, baby. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, hang, <laughs> hanging out with Thanos. <laughs> Um, right. Yeah, so you know, Kingpin goes on instead of like immediately. Was it worth it? No. You know, what? Oh, I was just quoting the Thanos meme where he's in the other dimension, and the young Gamora asks, uh, "Was it worth it?" And he says, "No." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, not. Or however it goes. Either. Anyway. <laughs> no, you go ahead, Josh. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So of course, Kingpin, he's like being the sociopath that he is. Is like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stretch this fucking thing out here. I'm gonna like really, you know, stick it to Daredevil and like and destroy him, destroy his psychology before you know anything else. And you know, he he gets him, you know, kicked off of being a, a high powered lawyer and and you know finds himself Daredevil finds himself like living in a shack and. Uh, he thinks all of his friends are, you know, against him. And, you know, so he's he's paranoid. He's desperate. He's alone. He's in this, you know, um, high anxiety spiral descent into uh, debilitating depression, which, again, I have no experience of this thing. 
So he even says, like Daredevil even says about his powers, is like, you know, having my powers, it's like it's a great way to catch all the misery of being alive. Which uh, yeah, right. is fucking so dark. So dark. Um, but that's why we love line. Frank Miller. Yeah. And that's why. So, you know, not to share what happens in the story, because you know, people should go out and read this arc for themselves. No spoilers. Go to your local no comic shops. <laughs> go to your local comic shops and buy this up because it's uh it's it's quintessential, I think. Um, but the big overarching thing for me in this is uh he's a hero that's hit rock bottom, but he's able to yeah, you know, dig his way back out of that and become triumphant and heroic from rock bottom. Um and I think that yeah. that's an important mirror for all of us is, is that like, you know, we're all going to find rock bottom in our lives and hopefully we can all look back and be like, I was able to, I know where rock bottom is and I, I dug myself out of it and I'm a better person for it. And, um, and you know, Daredevil's a better hero for it. Um, yeah. So it's really great. It's, it's just a, a fantastic run, but it really begs the question. Is Daredevil the real Batman? Because if you think about it, he uses sonar to uh, oh, you know, yeah. for his yeah. powers, you know? So Daredevil is the real Batman. He has real bat powers. So uh, how about that? Take that. Put that in your <laughs> pipe and smoke it. All right. Nice. Aren't you so glad you um, tuned in for this episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, I go from street level Daredevil into uh, the Century, which is, you know, century, created yeah. Century number one, written by Paul Jenkins, penned by Jay Lee, you know, so it's cr- created by Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee, uh, which I actually had a chance to meet Jay Lee at a Comic Con a couple right. years ago. Really nice guy. Seemed a little distracted, uh-huh. but super nice guy. He wrote, he did an original uh, for me, which is pretty great. And um, yeah, awesome. really great, really great guy. Um, but I pulled um, Century Number 1 from 2018, also written by oh, cool. Jeff Lemire. Um, I and love by Jeff Kim, Lemire. We're going to have to do a Black Hammer episode soon, yeah. Oh, man, that'd be great. Yeah, I love Jeff Lemire. Yeah. He's done stuff like Exit, Essex County. Uh, Sweet Tooth, uh, and of course, Moon Knight. Um, so here, Sentry is one of those characters where he's a uh, a meth head who broke into a lo- uh, laboratory and uh, drank the serum and gained the powers of a thousand suns, which is uh, <laughs> pretty ridiculous. Uh, but but again, oh, wow. like he is now this omnipotently powerful uh, hero. And if you go and you Google his powers, he literally has every single power you can imagine. So if you're right, you're just like, oh, uh, right. yeah, give him this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of course, he's got that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it also <laughs> creates that dilemma when you have someone all powerful. Um, they have to be fallible. And he is psychologically very fallible um, because when he is in the century state, he is, you know, all-knowing, all-powerful, but yet he doubts himself quite acutely. Um, even so much so to where he becomes like agoraphobic um, and he's afraid of his power. You know, someone suggests something that like, if you do this, like you'll, you know, so he's he's constantly afraid of, of not being in control. So he's constantly doubting himself. Um, so oftentimes oh, okay. you'll find uh, that a very crafty villain will... Um, take advantage of the Sentry and use him, you know, against the other heroes. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Sentry will just take off. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so he's got agoraphobia. Uh, he's got schizophrenia, alcoholism. Um, he's got a really, you know, fucked up relationship with his wife, uh, Lindy Lee Reynolds, who says in one run, I think it's in the Bob uh, in the uh, Paul Jenkins run. She's like, I should have killed him on our wedding night. So you can, you can see where that <laughs> oh, relationship oh. might be a little shaky at times. Um, but yeah, Sentry, he's, well. he's you know he's all powerful. Yeah, um, but at some point in a previous run, um, Doctor Strange helps uh, Sentry, um, you know, get it together because the Sentry has an alter ego. That is the void. Um, right. So it's right. just, you know, it's just the negative part of his psyche, essentially, 
uh, as this all-encompassing void that is, you know, unbeatable. Um, so all the heroes are essentially really afraid of the Sentry because not only is he super powerful hero, but he's also one of the deadliest villains as well uh, in the Void. So uh, Doctor Strange helps him to um, create a a secret universe where he can keep um, the the Void like an alternate reality where he can keep the Void at bay and be the Sentry. Um, but then live his life, a regular life as Bob Reynolds. Um, and Bob okay. Reynolds is, he's the meth head. He's a fucking mess. He's the alcoholic, you know, and he's just trying to keep it together. And that's why I really like, you know, it, you know, jumps into this secret reality that he has and he uses a, a conflictor to where, you know, it's just it, this device where every 24 hours he faces the void in this pocket reality. Um, but of course, the conflictor goes missing and he's not able to uh, face the void. So without giving anything away, again, go to your local comic shops and pick it up and read it. It's a really great, really great run um, and see how they, they go about that. Um, but what I really what I really love about this character and, and again, like I love this podcast because I would have maybe never tapped into the century. Um, but here we are. And I'm really enjoying this character who has, and in my life, like I've experienced at times feeling like I have this power, but I'm afraid to use my own power. I'm afraid of my own power. Um, and I'm, I'm sure yeah. lots of people experience that day in, day out, you know, either them, you know, at work or um, in their own personal life, whatever it might be. Um, I've at times been really yeah. afraid of my own voice, you know? of my own power. And here's a, a hero with the power of a thousand sons who, uh, who has the same, the same trouble um, and copes with it in many different ways. Alcoholism being one of them. Uh, so yeah, it's a really great, you know, image that we have of, of, of looking at the potentials of our own power. And sometimes like I have a good day and I'm, I, I feel like the century, you know, but then yep. I, I have a little doubt in myself and I feel the void start to move forward in my own life. Um, and it's really, it's really scary stuff and we cope in different ways. Um, and that's one of the powers of comics. Here's a mirror for us to see how this character is coped in certain ways and uh, hopefully gives us an opportunity. All these characters, uh, hopefully they're mirrors for, for us to be able to look at um, our own lives and, and and see how we we deal with the things that that we deal with so yeah um absolutely I, I would say i would say that is that is probably the best summary of this whole episode right there is that you know these these characters they give and i'll say everyone because i personally believe everyone has some level of of, of maybe not mental illness but their faculties yeah everyone's faculties are a little askew and I Absolutely. think these characters are great because they give us an opportunity to explore those things about ourselves, but also see how those things might not necessarily be a flaw, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, the definition of insanity. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, it's fine. I was going to say, I do want to thank both you guys for, I know it was kind of last minute when we came up with this topic and I was just like, all right, yeah, go do all this crazy research on characters you've probably never even heard of or whatever. So definitely tons of thanks there. And also, Josh, the reason why I asked you to do the century is because I'd never read him before and I was curious what he was. So. <laughs> yep. Yep, it's absolutely. a really great read. It wants me to, yeah, I want to go back and read Paul Jenkins and Jay Lee's run. Um, because you know he's a he's a Superman like character, but with all the flaws. I think that might be a good yep. way of putting the Sentry. He's Superman yeah. with all the flaws. Well, you know when he first came out, Marvel tried Marvel tried to claim that he was a forgotten character from the fifties. Did you? Did you? Right. Read yeah. That in your he research? you know he embedded yeah. his story into the writer's brain, into Paul Jenkins' brain. Yeah. Well, no, no. Marvel he was a mentor Marvel to was... Spider Man and all that. Yeah, Marvel was claiming that he had been around for years and you all just forgot about him. And they let that drag yeah. out for like a year. Yeah. Huh. That's yeah. Pretty, yeah, I like, yeah, I like that. 
So I just want to I just want to say thanks again for listening to this episode. I also do want to plug our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash loss in the long boxes. Uh, if, if you could give us any sort of support on there, it would be highly immensely appreciated. But obviously, the show is always going to be free. So so don't don't worry. Don't worry too much about it. But it would be a great help. Um, we will have our spread shop back up we've had some issues uh with our design for t-shirts and stuff so i need to resize that and everything and then go through all these hurdles but that will that will be available soon you'll be able to buy you know t-shirts and mugs and things like that uh lastly we uh you know go ahead if, if, if you're if you're on facebook or whatever feel free to uh to like us on there that's a huge help you know the the more likes the better uh, also, I am going to be getting us a, uh, a YouTube page set up in the near future for those of you who would rather uh, listen to this on YouTube than on one of the po- regular uh, podcasting uh, podcast hosting sites. Uh, so, so yeah, uh, once again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'm Ryan. I'm Joshua. I'm Steve. This is Lost in the Long Boxes, and we'll talk to you next time.